You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Ford v. Ferrari. How long have we known each other, Ken? I ever break a promise to you? I will put you in the driver's seat at Le Mans. You just shut your mouth and let me do my thing. All right. Morning, Shelby. Morning, Molly. Up yours. I'll go to hell. And that's it, folks. Ferrari wins the 24 hours of Le Mans for the fifth consecutive year. Mr. Ford, Ferrari has a message for you, sir. What did he say? He said Ford makes ugly little cars in ugly factories. And, uh, called you fat, sir. We're gonna bury Ferrari at Le Mans. So the great Carol Shelby is gonna build a car to beat Ferrari with a Ford. Correct. And how long did you tell them you needed? Two or three hundred years? Ninety days. <laughs> Ford hates guys like us because we're different. Heard he's difficult. Ken? No, no, Ken's a puppy dog. It's awful. There's a problem. The computer will find it. Get some scotch tape and a ball of wool. What are they doing? Making your car faster. Ken Miles is not a Ford man. We're on the verge of something. And now you tell me that I can't have the best man in the world behind the wheel? Give me one reason why I don't fire everyone starting with you. Well, sir, we're lighter, we're faster. So nice. And that don't work, we're nastier. Go ahead, Carol. Go to war. You got a plan. It's high risk. I thought the whole point was to win the damned race. If this were a beauty pageant, we just lost. Looks hard, everything. Trailer for Ford v Ferrari, and the story is as follows. American automotive designer Carroll Shelby and his fearless British race car driver Ken Miles battle corporate interference, the laws of physics, and their own personal demons to build a revolutionary vehicle for the Ford Motor Company together. They plan to compete against the race cars of Enzo Ferrari at the 24 Hours of Le Mans in France in 1966. The film is starring Matt Damon, Christian Bale, uh, Catriona Balfe, John Burtonfall, Tracy Letts, Josh Lucas, Noah Jupe, Remo Garoni, and Ray McKinnon. It is directed by James Mangold, and it is written by Jez Butterworth, John Henry Butterworth, and Jason Keller. Joining me for this podcast review, I have Bianca Gardner. Hi. Also, Dan Howlett. Hello. And Danilo Castro. How's it going? Vroom, vroom. Start your engines, people. <laughs> we are off to the races. Ford v. Ferrari. A movie that premiered at the Telluride Film Festival, James Mangold, uh, very solid director. He's done a lot of various films. Most people are familiar with his work from, say, Walk the Line and also Logan. Uh, he's also done 310 to Yuma, a movie that he previously collaborated with Christian Bale on. And here he is with a true story uh, that is kind of a throwback in many ways, um, you know, kind of has this uh, 1970s, 1980s. America kind of versus like 
the, the foreign enemy, if you will, and like some sort of a competition. But 4v4 doesn't really go that route. It, it actually takes more interesting routes that were more surprising to me um, and made this an above average, quote unquote, dad flick, uh, <laughs> which was essentially, I know everybody's expectation heading into it. It is much, much more than that. And I really am excited to dive a little bit deeper into why I think this is a really great movie. But first and foremost, I want to hear from Bianca. Uh, Bianca, what do you think of Ford v. Ferrari? Or, uh, as it's known over where you are, uh, Le Mans 66. Yes, yeah. It's, but, you know, it was a bit confusing at first. I thought they were two separate movies. Uh, you know, like how sometimes they do that where they have, like, uh, White House Down and and um, that other film that's for, I completely forgot now. Uh, Olympus, Olympus has, has fallen. Yeah, where they have that, where they have like it's virtually the same plot, and it's just like, but it's two separate movies. Uh, but no, uh, Le Mans '66 is Ford versus Ferrari, so I'm going to refer to it as Ford versus Ferrari. So, you know, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, this is. I, I really, really enjoyed this movie a lot more than I thought I was going to. Going in, um, I was a little bit apprehensive. I'm not uh, a, a petrol head in any kind of way. I mean, uh, <laughs> like, I don't understand racing or anything like that. But the, the film's not really about that type of... I mean, there is a race to it, but it's more of a journey of um, uh, becoming... Oh, obsession and passion for what you do and also uh about teamwork but also trying to be an individual at the same time and i thought it was really interesting that it's coming from fox uh, especially after it's now being being brought by disney um so it's like hmm there were certain scenes where i was going hmm okay these are interesting scenes uh you know we're talking about a big corporation and lots of man executives and management and um playing by the rules uh, <laughs> so, but i hear you yeah i i thought it was actually probably one of my favorite films of this year so far uh, although this year's nearly over but you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I, I definitely uh, caught on to that as well with this film. Um, and, you know, I said before that it is more than just the Americans versus the, the, the Italian like storyline, which, you know, back if, if this was made like in the early 80s is something that I think that, you know, we would have latched on to a lot more. But times have changed. And I really do think, Bianca, you're hitting the nail on the head here in terms of this is a movie about individuality about uh, breaking trends, about pushing the envelope and finding where the line really, really is. Because it's only when you push the limits and you like figure out where that line is, can you really achieve something great? But there are always these forces, these outside forces that are trying to always prevent us from finding that line all the time because it's safer. Or it's more reliable or, you know, whatever, whatever corporate institution like wants to like put some sort of a limit on you for the sake of reliability, if you will. But you got to take risks. You got to be bold. And I think this film really, really celebrates that very well. Howitt, what about you? What do you think about Ford v. Ferrari? 
Uh, well, I, I want to echo what B said. I mean, uh, I am very much not a racing fan. Um, I've heard I've heard a lot of people uh, say, you know, I don't really care about that. I'm, I don't I'm not into racing. I'm not into NASCAR. I'm not into this. It, that doesn't matter. In fact, it might even be better if you're not uh, a racing fan, just because this movie is is so much more than that. And this movie completely blew me away. Um this story is compelling and and also really really fun. Uh, this is not uh, this is not a pure drama. It's got it's hilarious oftentimes. <laughs> um, it's a classic underdog story, except the underdog here is like the Ford Company, which is kind of funny. But it really it uh, it it really sells that really well. Matt Damon and especially Christian Bale. They ground this movie um, in in real honest emotion, and exactly as we said, this is about passion and obsession and and the pursuit of those things, and really the pursuit of greatness. Um, the racing scenes, again, as somebody who couldn't care less about about racing, those scenes are genuinely intense. They're really really gripping, and they always felt fresh and exciting, even even though this race goes on for a long time. I mean, it's it's the twenty four hours of Le Mans. It's it's a long race. Um, and I felt like we were seeing the same shots over and over again, but they were always fresh. They were, it was always exciting. Um, I, I actually don't exactly know from one watch how they did that from an editing perspective, just because it was so, it was always gripping the entire time. Yeah. It's easily one of the best edited films of the year, hands down, um, especially considering it's two and a half hours long, but the story is so gripping it whizzes on it by. Flies. And like you said, during some of those racing scenes too, it, it, it's even though there's a bit of repetition, they say you can complete, I think, one lap in three and a half minutes. And you've got to do that for 24 yeah. hours. Insane. That's insane. insane. And, and, and you don't feel that repetition, you know? No. Or I should say it doesn't feel it doesn't feel boring or repetitive. Um it's it's really phenomenal. But the thing I love the most about this movie is that we we've seen the these sorts of movies pretty often. The, the movie about a person, typically a man, pursuing his passion, the you know the artist chasing his dreams, you know, um, at the sake of his family. Right? Um, it, it is is how the story usually goes. And and here, Christian Bale is a wonderful father. He has a lovely family, and and it was just so refreshing, and it added so much to the character. It was it was really different from what I expected. I expected this guy to be a complete a hole to everyone, including <laughs> his family, be a terrible dad, and and it never went there. Um, it was really charming and lovely, and and that's why I think it's Christian Bale's best performance in a long time, because. He was lovable, and even though yes, he he had those moments of throwing wrenches at people, uh, he was he was still lovable and still really really charming. So yeah, I I, I could keep going for a while. This movie is just it, it's hilarious, it's exciting, uh, it's exhilarating, and and I completely agree. It is absolutely towards the top of of my best films of the year. Nice. Awesome. I, I got to echo uh, one thing that you said, too, about uh, Ken Miles being this loving father. Um, I One little aspect I really, really liked that the film like really hones in a lot is how much his son, played by Noah Jupe, who is excellent and also in Honey Boy, by yeah. the way, um, how much his son really idolizes him and like really looks up to him. And we can get that because even though Ken Miles is a flawed character in the sense that he doesn't play well with others because he is a bit of an outlaw. He is a bit of a, I don't want to say like an outcast, but sometimes, you know, in order to do great things, you, you, you gotta be a little uh, against the <laughs> grain, if you will. You know what I mean? It's like almost like a, like a Steve Jobs type. You know, in order to achieve greatness, yeah, you got to be a bit of a dick. 
uh, to a certain extent, to a certain extent. Uh, but I like that, uh, like what you said there, Howard, that they never ever lose sight of the fact that this guy is a likable guy. He's a good father. He's a good husband. And ultimately, he is trying to do the right thing, even if sometimes uh, his own obsession with winning uh, can sometimes get in the way of, uh, of that. So, yeah. And I think that really crystallizes, especially at the end, which we'll get into in a little bit here. Danilo, what about you? I'm going to echo a lot of what everybody has already said. Uh, really entertaining, really well acted. And I think it speaks to James Mangold's like particular ability of taking stories that we've seen before, stories that we've seen um, similar iterations of, and sort of elevating them through not only the performance, but just through uh, moments. Mangold's really great at pulling out moments that are memorable and moments that kind of break the... Um, break the predictability of what we're seeing. And uh, as Daniel mentioned, the relationship between Ken Miles and his son, they could have easily taken it down a more predictable route. There could have been um, more uh, more drama in terms of disagreements between Ken Miles and his wife. And the fact that they didn't do those things and focus more on moments that were pleasant and like had a comedic sort of element to them, it, it was very refreshing. And... Um, I agree with you know everybody's kind of uh, opinion that the film, the film's humor, I feel like helps it out a lot, and and it comes back to why I think this is probably Mangold's best film since probably since Three Ten to Yuma. Just the execution of it. I always come back to execution with him, and for me, he executed this fantastically. So yeah, I'm I'm totally uh I'm totally in the in the driver's seat on this one. I, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I think my favorite James Mangold film is still Logan, but I think in terms of his overall best effort, uh, where every element is just perfectly in sync and no pun intended, firing on all cylinders, is probably <laughs> Ford v Ferrari, because the technical craftsmanship of this movie is top notch mm -hmm. the yes. whole way through. All around, as I said before, it's one of the best edited films of the year. I think Marco Beltrami's score is very underrated and quite great. Also co-done, I want to just mention, with Buck Sanders uh, also. Um, it's shot very well. Like, this is a great example, a, a truly great example of a studio film that when they put the resources into something, a $97 million budget went into this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if the script is strong, you've got a great, solid director at the helm. And Mangold is not an auteur director. He is a studio director, but he's made some really consistently good films. Sometimes just the perfect elements come together to create uh, something that is just top-notch, solid all the way through. And Ford v. Ferrari, I think, is a shining example of themes of the movie, which is when you have the big machine behind you, and you've also got some people that are, you know, trying to push the envelope and do their best work. And the big machine backs them along the way. You could achieve something really, really great. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked at how high the budget is, to be honest, just because it is a it's non IP. And, you know, it's 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 not it's not necessarily a movie that you look at and think that that's going to be a, a massive success at the box office. And so I'm 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 really grateful that they put all that money behind it because you can see it and it and it works mm -hmm. so well. Um, yeah. yeah, it was really fun. I was just going to say, like, it's such a, it, it feels so authentic in terms of how it, it in a lot of ways, it reminded me in, of kind of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in, in terms of like the element of 
care and attention that's been taken to like mm. reproduce that time setting and that era in which it takes place in every little detail was you can even down to the marmite I'm, you know, I'm obsessed with the fact that every time I saw his house, there was Miles's house, there was some sort of reference to him being British. There was Marmite here, there was tea there. Uh, everything feels like it, it's not being rushed. It's all being cleverly yeah. like placed there and building the character and who he is. Even the, the what I find is touching is that we don't really know too much about his backstory but we see you know the photo of when he was uh, in the in the second world war and references to it and it all builds up on this character and we, we can then see oh this is how he came to be this is why he is like he is and it's, it's a really interesting way to create world building and it just feels it felt so real that and and the fact that it's so long as well i didn't mm -hmm. even really pick up on like how long it was it was like i came out of the cinema and it was dark and i was like, how long have i been in there <laughs> it just goes it just all flows so well and so natural that you become absorbed into this world i've seen a lot of two and a half hour movies this year <laughs> um this is like a year of long movies i've noticed <laughs> this is one of those along with uh something like the irishman where the time just flies by um, and I've seen some where it, it did not do that. Uh, but this one, uh, I was just entertained from beginning to end. And I think the secret weapon of this movie isn't the racing, isn't the storyline of Ford v. Ferrari, where the title comes from. It's not even about um, the the, like the corporation of uh, Ford and you know Tracy Letts as Henry the, Henry Ford II and like his vendetta of like why he wants to win this race, which kind of honestly is like selfish and petty and kind of silly if you ask me. The secret weapon of this movie is the friendship between Carol Shelby and Ken Miles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we would not care about this movie if it was not for that single element and the two performances from Damon and Bale, which. I mean, Dan, I I'm glad you think it's like some of Bale's best work in a while. I actually don't think it's like either one of their best work necessarily, but it's exactly what it needs to be. It's not overly showy. It's not something that's drawing attention to itself. They both feel incredibly um, authentic. They feel um, uh, it feels like the bond between them is. Uh, it's subtle, it's strong, and it's more conveyed through action. Um, the amount of times that Carol Shelby sticks his neck out for Ken, mm -hmm. puts uh, his career on the line for him, and like the amount of emotion that he shows towards the, the suits, if you will, um, of disapproval of how they are uh, treating and perceiving Ken, I think speaks volumes uh, to the love that these two men uh, have for each other. Absolutely. And respect, too. I mean, because at the end of the day, Carol Shelby was, uh, you know, an automotive uh, uh, racer just like Ken was and won Lama uh, in, uh, what was it, years prior in 19, what they say? It was like... 1959. Um, 1959, exactly. So uh, there is also a mutual uh, respect there uh, between the two as well that I also really like. So now that I'm on the record as, as absolutely loving this movie, uh, I, I do want to mention the one thing that I, I thought didn't work very well in this movie. Ooh, okay. Here we and go. That is Josh Lucas's character. Ah, Josh Lucas. 
typecast asshole. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> he, he's just—he's. He, it's not very. That is the one part of this movie that is not very well written. I think the entire rest of the film is, but he's so cartoony and just like uh, always like meddling in their business, and it's just—it's just, it's just kind of <laughs> silly. I think I think the movie works so strongly without that. I think they kind of could have found some more subtle ways to to create. They just didn't need a straight up villain. You know, it was kind of silly. He does feel out of like an 80s version of this film. <laughs> yeah, he really yeah. does. It does feel class. I think that's what it also kind of does help add to the classic throwback nature of this movie in a sort of way. Like it feels like an old school studio system movie uh, because that character is exactly like that. I don't know. Um, it, I will admit it's not strong. I wouldn't say it's weak and that it bothered me. I actually have another criticism about the movie that bothered me a little bit more than that, actually. Mm. And that is I felt the ending of the movie. I don't know how many of you went into this knowing what the ending was going to be. And I'm not talking about the outcome of the race. I'm talking about a scene that comes after that. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that felt incredibly tacked on and rushed. Really? And I did not feel the weight of it. There is a scene with Damon in, in the last scene in the movie where I, I did feel the weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the scene itself with the voiceover and just I think the way it was shot and such, I didn't, that moment didn't hit me, I think, the way it was supposed to. Interesting. Mm. Well, I, I think I, it worked for me. Um, I, I wasn't really expecting it. And uh, it gave the the film like a, a a bigger slice of reality to me. I I think it worked quite well, and especially the you know when he gives that wrench over and no, see, like all of that yeah. worked. I'm talking about the actual scene itself, oh, um, mm-hmm. it, it, and just how like Damon's like doing it with the voiceover and everything. It just felt like a little unceremonious to me, and like. Mm. I, I don't know. I, I thought there would have been more build up to it. But I also remember, like, I, I went in kind of I knew this was going to happen. I knew uh. the story behind this. So it didn't like come as a shock. And I guess I, I I was left a little disappointed that I didn't actually, like I said, feel the emotion and the weight. Mm. Um, even even when Damon has that scene at the end. Um, yeah, I, I was I don't know. It, it, I mean, listen, if you guys didn't feel that way, that's great. But that's my one and only thing, honestly. Yeah, I think maybe knowing knowing that that was coming w- w- could have been the issue because I definitely didn't know it was coming either. And and I think what what uh, trying to talk about it without without <laughs> saying saying <laughs> what's happening. But, you know, because that scene takes place not very long after the race ends, I think that's what makes it feel not tacked on because it's it happened very soon after and so it feels like the story just continued just a little bit longer and and you know we get that we get that scene so yeah I, it did really work for me i think I matt i think had that scene that you mentioned with damon after the fact not been there i think it might have been more of a problem for, for me but mm-hmm. in watching the film kind of play out that scene afterwards sort of helped it fit in place for me and so i ultimately didn't have a problem with that i thought it worked yeah, I was just going to say, I think um, it would have been worse if it just came up as a, like a title card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel then they wouldn't, that wouldn't have had the emotional um, you'd input as as much. It might have just felt like, you know, just 
uh, oh, this happened. This is a you know a footnote in history, where at least we get to see it and. You know, you know what so, I think it is. Mm-hmm. I, I think it just. I think it just set in exactly what it is for me. I think it's the fact that when it happens, it's um, shown from the other characters' perspective, mm-hmm. and it happens. Uh, not yeah, like a little slightly off screen to a certain extent too. Um, and it's done like in the distance. It just feels far removed in a way. In a way that didn't feel uh, tragic for me, because honestly, I didn't even like, I mean, I knew what happened, but for anyone else that was watching it, it's like, does anyone else know what just happened or? It's a tough scene. It's a tough scene to deliver either way. Like, yeah. Um, Now, you mentioned before uh, Josh Lucas as uh, Leo Beebe, the uh, Ford executive. Um, Tracy Letts plays Henry Ford II in this. And I have to say. As far as like Tracy Letts authoritative uh, performances go, I adore him in this movie <laughs> so much. He he's always getting typecast as well as these types uh, types of figures, but man oh man does he do it so well! I feel like in he Ford does. v Ferrari. I wish he had like like two or three more scenes just so <laughs> that he could really compete in supporting actor. Cause I mean, he is, he's hilarious. He is so, so funny. The scene with him and Damon in the car is <laughs> one of my favorite scenes of the year. Hands down. I wish I hadn't seen that in the trailer because yes. I, that would have been, yeah. that would have been a great surprise. Oh, it would have been phenomenal. So good. I, I really, really loved every time he was on screen in this. And I really, really was entertained by him. Uh, shout out also to John Bernthal, who yeah. uh, has a more expanded supporting performance. It always seems like he's like a one scene and done type nowadays. <laughs> yeah. And everything he does. Uh, and he does disappear for a portion of the movie, I, I find. But uh, I, I was I was very happy to see him at least getting uh, a meteor role um, at times. So that's nice. I mean, just all around, like looking at the entire ensemble, um, it's a really, really solid, really good ensemble, I think. Totally. Uh, you know, and I like Ray McKinnon also in a supporting role as uh, Damon's like uh, right hand guy as well. Um, he has like that really great uh, moment uh, of like um, where he's talking to Noah Jupe's character about um, the fireproof suit and, mm-hmm. you know, getting out of the car and things like that. Um, you know, there, there's also a lot of talk between him, Damon and, and Bale, obviously. Um, Dan, uh, Dan, you were mentioning this before about like uh, racing and automotive hardware and like parts and things like that. All that stuff flew over my head yeah. watching the movie. Yep. Had no idea what was going on when they were talking about this stuff. They're talking about, you know, the brakes and pushing the car to 7,000, you know, RPM. And I'm thinking to myself, like, okay. Cool, <laughs> but you know, I, I think that's where if you get caught up in the technical mumbo jumbo of it all, um, if it's your thing, I think this is gonna land even stronger for people if this is your thing. And even if it's not your thing, it's kind of a miracle that the movie lands as well as it does. Like I said, at Telluride, when we saw it, it was the first screening for press, uh, there was no reactions prior, it was the world premiere. And we all were heading into it thinking to ourselves a little bit like, I don't know, we'll see. And I was so, so genuinely surprised at how many people uh, who admitted to me before we watched it, uh, this doesn't look like my thing, walked out of it saying they completely loved it. So for anyone out there that's not a NASCAR person, not a racing person, (laughs) doesn't care about this world or anything else, 
trust me, a good movie is a good movie at the end of the day. 100%. Yeah, and in a, I just want to say, in a way, it kind of reminded me a lot of First Man in that t- kind of sense of um, a film that, you know, is about passion and about obsession and um, sort of also having a supportive network around you and, and mm-hmm. o- overcoming some sort of uh, Im- like impossible task. I mean, yeah. whether it's like, you know, winning the Le Mans, um, you know, in a Ford or going up to the moon, you know, it was a, it was like a decade of setting impossible tasks for people to overcome. And I have a re- I, I really hope that people do go and see this movie because um, let's face it, first man, nobody went to see that, which was a real disappointment. Uh, but it's, it is weird that this feels like the first man of this year in yeah. so many ways. Right. Telluride movie um, feels big uh, in a studio sense. You know, the themes that you were talking about before, there's a bit of overlap there as well. Similar budget range, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they have that really wonderful thing about, um, it, like, confined spaces. And oh, yeah. It's, oh, I don't know if anyone else was watching it, and did you sort of, like, want to put your foot down on, like, invisible pedals or something (laughs) i was feeling it i was like oh break break go faster i don't know how uh i don't know uh, how recently any of you watched uh ron howard's uh 2013 film rush recently but that's for me like one of if not my favorite racing movie ever it's a great film and i was thinking a lot about that movie and this in terms of who shot the racing scenes better like who immersed me more mm-hmm. in those scenes. And I got to say, the way James Mangold shoots the cars during these racing scenes, you know, one trick that a lot of people use in filmmaking is the cars are not really going at these speeds. If they were going at these speeds, the cameras would not be able to follow them. Cameras would not be able to capture the information needed to uh, portray it on film. So they're going slower. But uh, because of the perspective of, of how we watch it, and if you use the right uh, shutter speed and such, you could convey... That it's going really fast, even though in reality it's not going all that fast. This movie, there were times where I felt like we were going fast. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because of how close Mangle gets the camera, either on the exterior up next to the cars, um, from a from a point of view shot of the road from the car's uh, perspective or in the car itself. Um, I want somebody someday to take all the clips of uh, all the shots of Christian Bale in the car shouting random stuff. And I just want them to like compile it all together. That's more like it. Great cutaways they have. What was that accent you were trying to do? (laughs) I don't know. I I was letting it fly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I I love I love what he like the stuff he says in the film. I just like mentioned how I, I was really amazed like the use of the word pop, fizzy pop in this. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yes, that's what we say here all the time. We're like, oh, let's have a let's have a, a bottle of pop. <laughs> and speaking of uh, pop, uh, we get a scene in this movie that I never thought we would ever see. We get the, you know, the legendary showdown of Jason Bourne versus Batman. <laughs> and it was everything that I ever wanted it to be for two guys in their 40s. 
Yes. <laughs> a lot of rolling around. I feel sorry for the bread. <laughs> that part, oh my god, he grabs the can and he switches to the bread because he's afraid he's actually gonna... <laughs> That was so funny. <laughs> oh my god. And his wife like gets a lawn chair out and she's just watching like, oh, are you boys done yet? Are you guys going to stop being boys? And that also kind of feeds into the perception of the movie, right? Of this being like a guy movie and boys will be boys and look at these silly boys doing silly things and so on and so forth, you know? Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that element. Kind of plays into the um, the whole dad movie moniker. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I, I want to, without giving it away for anyone that like is heading in and not knowing the full story. So this might be a little tough uh, to discuss. But I do think that the ending of the movie and a decision that Ken Miles makes um, on the racetrack is... A really, really impactful one. It shows really terrific character growth. There was a great lesson to be learned at the end of it all. And it once again, I think, really, really hammers home uh, some of the themes that the film is going for that elevates it beyond just a typical dad racing movie and actually puts it into uh, a higher category, if you will. What did you guys think of that? Because I I have to admit, heading into it, I knew that there was an outcome to the race and I knew who won, but I didn't know how. And I I, I found that to be very, very impactful. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> it's it's like I think you know it's great character growth in a way that's uh, is really challenging for for us as the audience to to kind of accept it just because it's the the way that the kind of the race turns out is is uh, very unexpected and really frustrating in in the best way like in, in a very intentional way so i i did not know how this how this ended um in real life and so again watching it for the first time was was frustrating and but still really um you know really kind of poignant at the end yeah i love the alignment of action with character development that they don't have to be segregated, that the way that the script kind of uh, combines them into one is really great. And I love when movies do that. It's very satisfying. And even though the outcome itself isn't satisfying, the dramatic sort of uh, impact of it as you leave the theater, I feel like, is definitely there. And then, like, one thing I kind of kept coming back to a little bit as well that uh, resonated with me very strongly is that often we look at movies Um, And we look at the creative driving force behind it, like an Artur director or even like, let's say someone like a Martin Scorsese, right? And we're very, very quick to, if we like a movie, heap the praise upon the person that's steering the ship, right? Mm -hmm. But I think every uh, leader or every director or every captain or whatever will tell you, it's not me. It's a collaborative team effort. And I love that even though Ken Miles is that good and he is clearly the best, I love that this movie really does celebrate collaboration. It celebrates teamwork. It celebrates the whole, not the individual. Yeah, the process. Right. And I, I, I have to say, like, that that's something that, you know, like I said, if you ask, like, any one of these guys, you ask James Mangold himself, he'll tell you, yeah, like, I'm the director of the film and all, but this is a collaborative effort from every single department coming together to create something great. Why? Because we push each other to get there. Yeah, and it was kind of a thing of um, sort of accepting that, um, you know, we're all individual 
um, people and we all have our differences. Um, we all have our own, uh, you, you know, uh, different traits. But when we come together and work as a team, we can get something done and we can achieve something. And I, I really like how it, you know, the comparison between um, Carol's like little team that he was working with and, and then comparing that with Ford, like this big corporate sort of thing where he was saying about the the uh, folder going from one per, like to one person yeah. to the next. Checks and balances, if you will. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like saying, you know, showing that there's a balance to it. Like, you know, you, you can be a corporate um entity but if you sort of crush individuality then you're not going to have the the passion there the people there to want to to support the goal um and i think that that moment at the end was really sort of showing that um it, you have to have faith in people in or you know and uh, and not just tell them oh you have to be like this and you have to represent the, the company this way and it was a really touching moment i didn't know that was the the case that was the sto- you know when going in with the story so um i was glad to actually see that i did wonder whether it was sort of a you know uh, a fabrication of some sorts but um no, <laughs> it's, it's kind of the truth. Yeah, it almost seems like as though it would be a fabrication. It's it's an incredible story and it's an incredible outcome. Yeah, yeah. did not I did not know it either. No, it, it's really it's really well done. Really, really well done overall. Okay, uh, what I want to do now is I want to talk about any final thoughts that we have on the movie. Uh, anything that we did not cover. Uh, so first, I'll pass it over to Daniel. Daniel, anything that we did not talk about with Four V Ferrari you want to mention? I don't think so, man. I think we really covered it. I just, uh, like I said, don't don't be put off by the dad movie aspect or the <laughs> racing aspect because, uh, honestly, I couldn't stop thinking about this movie uh, days after I saw it. It just, it's so, it's it's like pure entertainment. Like, it is so much fun. It's not like Oscar movies can sometimes be, in, even in a good way, where they can be dreary or upsetting or anything like This is just fun. This is so much fun, and I really can't wait to see it again in theaters. All right, all right. Bianca? Um, I would just say to people that it really needs to be seen on the big screen. Mm. Like, it's it's such, like, we mentioned the cinematography, but um, yeah, the cinematography is beautiful, and uh, it's a film that is so epic in scale, and they, you know, they don't really make films like that anymore, so it was great to see it, and, you know, uh, I, I just love it love it so much and uh yeah i can't wait to go see it again yeah if you have an opportunity to see this movie in dolby cinema or an imax with a great sound system uh do so because the sound in this movie is freaking fantastic oh the roaring of those engines really really immerses you in those racing scenes so freaking well and once again a great comparison i think also to uh first man and being in that cockpit and the sound work that was done in that movie as well it really really helped you feel like you were there and i know that gets said a lot but this was one of them where i was like oh oh baby that's a sound editing and sound mixing (laughs) nomination right there i was like holy hell uh danilo 
Um, I will say I really enjoy that this film is able to have several crowd-pleasing moments that didn't feel as though they were pandering or really obvious. There's lots of funny lines. There's lots of pauses for laughter. Um, there's lots of well-delivered sort of comebacks uh, between the characters. And, and it harkens back to, kind of like, like I said, a pre, an earlier time. They don't make them like this anymore. And it's refreshing to see one that doesn't feel as though it's bending over backwards to try to you know, oh, get a laugh out of us. You know, it, it feels uh, it feels organic to the story. And I appreciated that. It's old fashioned, but it's old fashioned in a good way. Yes. In all the best ways. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, I've said everything I want to say. Uh, great time. I am going with a very strong, very solid eight out of ten. It's very, very close to being in my top 10 of the year. Not quite getting there. It's, it's facing some very stiff competition, but in terms of this just being a well-oiled machine with all the right resources put behind it to create something that is just solid all the way through, um, Ford v. Ferrari is a winner in my book. Uh, Bianca, what about you? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I, I feel uh, it's a 8 out of 10 for me. I, yeah, uh, just... I, I'm lost for words. I just really like. I, I really was blown away by this movie, and uh, I, I think it's one of the best uh, surprises I've had in the cinema this year. Nice, uh, Daniel. Uh, it's a strong nine for me. This is a, a, a huge surprise. It is one of the best experiences I've had in the theater this year. And I'm sitting at my number three of the year so far. Still have quite a few to see. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine this leaving my top five. Awesome. Danilo? I'm going to go with an eight out of ten as well. It doesn't – I would I would give it higher. It doesn't necessarily um, qualify as a game changer. It doesn't reinvent the wheel. But in terms of what it sets out to do, it, it does those things wonderfully. And so that's why it gets the nice solid eight. Absolutely. Okay, and now we're going to talk about the film's Oscar potential, which um, I know is varied depending on who you talk to. I've been saying now for a while, and I kind of said it literally right after I watched it. Right away, I was like, okay, now I know why this is maybe the first man of 2019. I, you know, we look at it as that very, very solid film. Uh, we look at it as an across the board contender, could contend for things like picture, director, acting, uh, the text, right? But my gut tells me that on nomination morning, it's only going to receive tech nominations. Um, I know that there are some people who still think director from Mangold or picture could happen, uh, but I'm going to. I think it's heading for film editing, sound editing, and sound mixing easily. Yes. Easily. Yeah. I think those three are happening, yeah. hands down. Score could be on the table. I could see that. Marco Beltrami is a previous nominee. They like his work. Um, and then, I don't know. Like, What will it take for it to get picture director? What do you guys, what do you guys think about that one? Because that's the thing for me that – I keep kind of going back and forth on. It's got an A-plus cinema score, which means audiences love it. Now the question is, are audiences going to turn up for it, and is it going to be perceived as a big hit? Because the perception with First Man was that it was not a perceived big hit. So if this does become that, do we think that it could be enough to propel it into the best picture conversation? It would need to catch a lot of momentum 
fairly soon and like you said really neat pan out to be kind of a commercial success i think for that to be a realistic expectation um as of right now i i see the text as a solid bet but not much else so we'll see i mean i hope the movie is successful so that we have this conversation you mm-hmm. know yeah i i agree i th- i i do see it exactly like first man i think it'll be like that that you know 10th 11th kind of nominee for best picture it'll just Mm -hmm. just miss it i don't think director is really too high on the table i mean i think mangold will kind of always be in the top 10 of contenders this year but but not not really get too many nominations but we should say it is actually doing very well so far this weekend um it's it's beating you know charlie's angels which is a franchise you know wannabe blockbuster thing so um, it's doing well so far, which is something that First Man didn't have. So that's true. We'll see where that goes. I, I, I still don't anticipate it breaking in, actually breaking into Best Picture or anywhere above the line. But I think the texts are very safe. And honestly, I would say cinematography isn't a lock by any means, but it's. I think it has a very good shot at uh, at getting nominated. I'm trying to think about like what the trajectory would be. Like Critics' Choice nomination possible, right, for Best mm-hmm. Picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, PGA nomination, maybe. Yeah, they're 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 all maybes. That's the thing. It's like I, I could see it, but I I I I can't. I wouldn't bet on it. You know. Yeah, I wouldn't bet on it now. I I will admit that what I think I need to see is I need to see a Globe nomination. I need to see a Critics Choice nomination, and I need to see a PGA nomination. And even then, it all depends on what the other competition looks like. There was nothing that when this premiered back in September that told me, oh, it's in. Like, this is it. You know what I mean? Like, it never solidified itself as a sure thing within this race. Um, Like something, say, like an Irishman or a marriage story, if you will. I'm bummed that uh, it's an original screenplay now, you know, because it was originally going to be adapted from a book and then it wasn't. I I think it was if it was adapted, I think it would uh, I think it could crack into that race because it's a it's a pretty weak weak race this year <laughs> no pun intended yeah. but uh <laughs> I, I i do agree with you actually i i really do um i think that the screenplay is something that um you know a lot of times in movies like this you know we think the screenplay is sometimes the weakest element right because you know it might appeal to the lowest common denominator if you will but like i was saying there's a lot of stuff here about uh racing in general and cars that um is well beyond my knowledge and my scope but there is great attention and care paid to entertainment, to character development, to uh, subtextually, like, what is this movie ultimately trying to say in terms of its message and its themes? And I think it all comes together in the end. So, yeah, I would say it's a very well-crafted screenplay in that regard. Um, once again, maybe just disregarding uh, the mush- mustache uh, twirling or clean-shaven, uh, <laughs> clean-shaven villain that is Josh Lucas in this. Uh, yeah, outside of that, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's uh, contending anywhere else. I would love, 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 love if uh, Bale could have gotten a little bit more traction. But as soon as they decided to co-lead both of them, which, by the way, was the right call. Yeah. yeah. 100% yeah. the right call. Um, I'm very glad that they made that decision, even if it meant the detriment of either one of them uh, contending. Because that was that was definitely the right move. Totally agree. There was talk about Bale going supporting, and it was like, mm, no. <laughs> Co-leads, sorry, and I'm glad that they saw it that way, too. All right, that'll do it. Ford v. Ferrari. Bianca, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. Yeah, so you can find me at 
um, Twitter at the film B and also uh, yeah check out in their own league as well I will keep plugging that for the time being <laughs> yeah no keep plugging it all the time plug 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 all the way Daniel Howitt what about yourself you can find me on Twitter at HowittDK and you can find me on uh, my main show the screeners podcast another plug look at that oh my god free advertising Danilo what about yourself uh, you can find me on Twitter at Danilo S. Castro. No plug. Okay, cool. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Ford v. Ferrari here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player, FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave your review. I'm sorry. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. my god uh, and we're at the finish line uh, <laughs> there you go we all finished at the same time okay, <laughs>